This is the Faith Ventures Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, telling stories of Christians doing business for the glory of God. If you appreciate this program, support the nonprofit work of LCI by donating at libertarianchristians.com slash donate. And if you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at libertarianchristians.com. Welcome back to the Faith Ventures Podcast, where we talk with businessmen and entrepreneurs from all across the nation about their work and how their faith plays into that. Today, I have joining me Mr. Marcus Hall, who is a certified kingdom advisor and the author of the book, Pursuing Spiritual Wealth. And so I'd like to welcome you, Marcus. Thanks for joining me here today. I'm so glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. This is an awesome opportunity, I think, to learn a little bit more from someone who's really like a certified financial advisor about the way in which financial advising actually plays into kingdom work. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your career journey and, and what you do as a certified kingdom advisor and, uh, and kind of some of the highlights of that and what that means to you. I think without a doubt, you're on the right track there as far as your faith can be shown in so many different facets of how you handle money. If we look at the Bible, over 2,000 verses in the Bible deal with money, stewardship, giving in, in some way, shape, or form. It's not because it was so much more, I, I believe, it wasn't so much more important to God than everything else, but he knew how hard-headed we were and how selfish we were, and he needed to keep repeating th that story over and over again of how I need you to act with this. But let me let me kick back a few years because this is not what I intended to do with my life uh, at all. <laughs> my career actually started in broadcast journalism in TV. I worked in TV for about seven years. and Coming out of high school and college, this is what I thought I was going to do until I was no longer working anymore uh, and retired in my 60s at some point. And had you asked me at that time or told me, hey, this is the path your life is going to follow over time. I really would have said you were crazy. I mean, there's no way that's going to happen, and I'm going to end up where I am today. But isn't it, isn't it so cool to serve a Savior who you can look back now 25, 30 years and go, well, actually, every bit of that makes sense. Every turn of the road, every every place that we took, every every job that we worked at made sense along the way. Because that seven years of broadcast and TV led into uh, a, a few years in some sales uh, areas, and then eventually from the bank side into what I'm doing now with more of the retirement planning and working with investments and things of that nature for the past uh, 13 years or so at this point. And so it is amazing to go back and see how God knew where this journey was going to go. I had no clue over time. And so I got to do some really cool stuff uh, in the TV side of things of being able to sit down. I've got a video, an interview one-on-one -on -one with Hank Aaron that you can never take away from me, man. That was one of the career highlights of all that back in the day. But just being able to cover different events in college football, SEC is big in my neck of the woods here in the South, yeah. of being able to cover big college football games and Super Bowl festivities in Atlanta and all that. But over time, watching the, the, uh, and feeling the, the maturity in my life and where he has brought me into the financial services industry, and now being able to look and see the effect that you can have on people's lives and on the way that they handle money, the way that they think about things and see things and, and know of different options that are available to them, and just being able to help guide them to a place that can help them, but can also help generations to come as well if they're making good decisions with their money. Well, that, that's awesome to, to kind of hear, you know, your journey has been, you know, one of, of a bunch of twists and turns. Yes. And so you, you end up going from TV <laughs> and producing there into financial services and then eventually 
I mean, you now you you know you call this certified kingdom advisor. What does that what does that mean? And, and how does that kind of play in, uh, into your life now? Basically, what happened is I moved over to the company that I'm with now. Uh, I found out that they actually offered one of their affinity groups inside, and this was a Fortune 500 company, a publicly traded company. It was a little shocking as a Christian to see that we had a Christian organization that was so prevalent. Uh, inside of the company with as many advisors involved in that as, as we did. And so as I, as I started listening to some of the messaging and seeing there's actually other advisors out there, I never really thought about it. Uh, after just a few years in the industry, I never really thought about doing things really from a Christian perspective or being so uh, forward uh, of, hey, I'm a Christian and these are the principles that I'm basing decisions off of. Uh, because by the way, spoiler alert, if you didn't know the best financial advice out there comes from the Bible. Uh, if you follow those things and follow those principles, it doesn't mean that we're going to add zeros uh, necessarily and commas uh, to your bank account, but it does mean that you're going to find a life of contentment and joy and peace and serving your purpose and what God meant for you to do. And as I heard folks from this from our company mentioning these things, I was like, man, that's that's really appealing that others are doing this just so outwardly with their faith. And we're not thumping people over the heads with our faith, but it's talking about these things and, and sharing values with our clients and being able to talk about this. And how do I incorporate that into my business? That's what the, the Kingdom Advisors organization is. Some people may know the names Larry Burkett or Ron Blue. Both of those are huge names in, in, in Christian stewardship over the years. If you'll search them on Amazon and look for, look for materials, but there are so many books and, and, and so much material written by these guys over time. Larry has since passed on. Ron is still with us. But man, the wisdom that they have shared and what they've launched is now with the Kingdom Advisors organization. Every February, we have over 2,000, 2,000 financial advisors from around the nation. They gather to, to fellowship, to worship together, but also to learn and to educate themselves and to share ideas on how we can do these things throughout the nation. That is so cool to, to kind of just understand that these things even exist. I mean, for some of us, you know, maybe we, you know, have 401ks or, or Roth IRAs or whatever. Um, but sometimes, you know, that's, that's maybe focused on, you know, getting that extra zero on the account at some point or another. Hopefully. And we want to grow the accounts. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. But financial yes. advising seems to be, you know, a bit more than just, uh, than just adding the zeros. So, you know, tell us a little, tell me a little bit more about, you know, kind of what you do in, fi especially in financial advising as with kind of a particular emphasis, if you will, on more on like what your, what the kingdom part of that is. So you're, you're helping people to understand something, right? Yeah. Let me actually answer the original question that certified kingdom advisor is actually a designation, just like there's the CFP and other designations out there that you can achieve and, and earn. That's one that the Kingdom Advisors organization actually offers, which is a tremendously in-depth study uh, that takes several months to achieve and make it through 20-something case studies uh, now of learning how to apply those principles to your own life, but also how to share those principles with your clients in the mm -hmm. right way for those that want to be led by their faith and their values. And what we find is, like you said, it's not just the investment part. Everything that we do with money, it is life insurance, it is debt, it is how we save. It, all of that goes into what your entire portfolio is. It's not just your 401k. And all these decisions that you're making affect everything else in there. If you make a bad decision on one end, it can really mess up or ruin something else that you've done right 
on the other side of things. We want to make sure that all these things are working together. And what we find is, is that clients really want to base their decisions on money. They want to base those on their values and what they believe in. And so a lot of what we do is a more comprehensive financial planning and that we're looking at the basic things of, hey, you want to retire one day. Well, how much money are you going to need to spend in retirement and where is that going to come from? And we work that plan out to where I like to tell my folks, we kind of look at your life like a business sometimes and that we can see year by year your cash flow, what's coming in, what's going out, where is it coming from? This is very useful information. And through all of this, where the Kingdom Advisors part really comes in is helping people realize more so than they know and that they think most times is that you can actually be a giver to the kingdom through your finances. A lot of times we get so scared and think we have to have so much saved for our retirement. And some of us really sometimes over-prepare for that. Yes. And that's an interesting way at, through planning is to be able to go through and actually budget. I will budget in giving with folks that want to go that route and show that you can actually do this and plus have everything you need and then some for your retirement plans. And what we hope this does is actually help go back to kingdom activities, whether it's through your church or, or, the, or other organizations that are helping to, to spread the message of God and to spread the gospel of God throughout this country and throughout the world, how you can be involved in things that may be close to your heart, that a lot of people can do more than they think uh, toward some of these purposes, toward some of these goals that they never really gave a thought to because maybe they're not a millionaire or maybe they don't have a million dollars in, the, in their bank account. And they forget that there's a lot of different ways to give and, and to be able to do things. That's that's so cool. Yeah. Can you, so let's, let's kind of shift a little bit to, you know, uh, the way in which you advise people, I'm sure that you got to come across people who have various kinds of misconceptions or, or misunderstandings about the nature of just kind of the way money works. And or okay. sometimes we leave, you know, there's the common misquoting of the Bible. Of course, the money is the root of all evil. Uh, and we know that's not really true. It says all kinds of evil. But even that, I think people often get into like kind of misunderstandings of what an economy is, how how money works, and, and important aspects of the way in which the world works around us. What do you do sometimes to try to explain those types of things to people? Well, let me actually add to the analogy you gave and the verse that you gave and that money is not the root of all evil. Remember, the verse is actually the love of money mm -hmm. is the root of all evil. Money is simply a tool. My cell phone is simply a tool, but man, I could use that cell phone for good. I can use it for a lot of things that are good as well. Uh, there's a lot of things that are just tools, but it depends on how we use them. Money is absolutely a tool. And we live in a world where money is a necessary tool for you to eat, right. for you to provide for your family. And these are all biblical things in that we are, for, for those that God has entrusted to us, we are in charge of helping provide for them while they're here as a parent, as a husband, uh, as a father. I have responsibilities from a Christian point of view that I, I have to, 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 to help provide for my family through the ways that God has blessed me and been able to do that through a career and other resources there. What I think people don't understand sometimes, and especially from the, from the advisor point of view, is that, is that you, you don't think others share your values or you don't think that others feel the same way that you do. And there's definitely going to be some contention and some folks that just say, I don't want nothing of biblical matters whatsoever. And that's okay. But I think it's also okay for me to be able to share my story of how God has worked in my life over time and to be a, hopefully a living testimony uh, of the blessings that he's given, of the ways that he's brought me through different points in my life. 
that's not pushing anything on anybody. But if, as we get into a conversation and a relationship with my clients, which is really what it turns into, is that it's more than just a transactional basis. We're getting deep into their lives. We're getting deep into, into examples of, of how I use money or how I do things as well, that I will bring in expertise of what I do with different families. Uh, and I see a lot of what my responsibility is, is education. And I think when you start educating people on not just the way that money works, works in the world, but what the Bible says about it, and you start bringing those things together, now what they're able to do is, I always tell my folks, I, I don't work with unintelligent people. I work with very intelligent people who do very hard things. That some of them, if I went and did their job tomorrow, I, heck, some of these that work in the medical field, I might actually kill people tomorrow <laughs> and have no knowledge and no experience of what they do. And when you look at it, think about the education we've received on money in our lives. Yeah. Most of us, it's not much at all. And I believe wholeheartedly that we should have either a high school senior class or a freshman, col uh, a, a freshman college class that should be dedicated to what is money? What is a credit card? What, what is a loan? What is a savings account and a 401k and a, and a Roth or a traditional IRA? Those are things we never get exposure to. And then we start right into our line of work. And so people will sit down with me and I'm going to start apologizing to me. It's so weird. The first time I meet with someone, they'll almost start apologizing because they don't know what they're doing or whatever. And I just go, hey, listen, that's, that's fine. Let's start that process now so that you can make better decisions moving forward. Don't get caught up in well, Let's go from a biblical standpoint. Don't get caught up in that sin from 10 years ago. Remember it. Don't do it again. But mm -hmm. once you've been granted forgiveness for that, God says, hey, from the, as far as the east is to the west, it's gone. Don't dwell on the decisions we made in the past, but let's make better decisions moving forward because we know better now. Let's talk about that. That's the value that I feel like a, a good Christian financial advisor brings is being able to talk through these situations with people because fear is the motivator for most of our bad decisions and that we don't know what we're doing. We do something quick to make it. I just want it to go away. Just make a decision. I feel like most of the time, if I can take the time with someone and they'll listen to, hey, let's actually educate on what's going on. What are your options? And let's get back focusing on that long-term and that eternal decision. Let's, let's start focusing on that long term instead of getting in the short term. I guarantee you're going to make a better decision based on what you're trying to do. So I, I really appreciate you, the way you describe this as you know money being a tool. I sometimes even liken it to technology itself. In fact, oh, what it out. I think there's a, a there's kind of a, a, an, an argument or a rationale for why money is kind of a prime technology. It's a it's a technology that facilitates other technologies. In fact. And uh, and to misunderstand that, I think is, is can be very dangerous um, for you know both both as a uh, as a culture and uh, you know the the way in which we interact with people around us and also just as Christians, uh, because given that money is something that is part of it, realistically, it's part of God's design for how we're able to engage with people. Yes, uh, it, you know from from the the very start. Um, it, it it stands to reason then that our understanding of money is crucial to actually serving other people better. Uh, and so I'm curious, you know, to, you know, from your perspective, does that kind of resonate with the way that you talk, even in say your book in pursuing spiritual wealth? And the next thing I kind of want to ask there is like, what else do you bring forward in your book to try to facilitate people's understanding of their financial situation, of economics, and so on? What do you, what is your kind of mission and message through that? Well, I think, first of all, it's all about perspective. And that when we start comparing ourselves to others, mm -hmm. 
you know, when you look at the social media and look at that other family that you know and, and all these friends are taking all these trips and have these big houses and all the toys, that's great. They may can afford a payment. They may, can, they may not really be able to afford that lifestyle. They can afford a payment every <laughs> night. But we start comparing ourselves and we don't always turn it back the other way of going, okay, if someone is listening to this podcast, they most likely either have a, a phone or a computer. Well, I guess they'd have to, either a phone or a computer. You probably have a nice place that you're living, whether you're renting or owning, you're in a nice place with a nice shelter today. You have a job. Well, let me go ahead and tell you, you're probably already in the top five or 10 percentile worldwide of wealth because you fit in those four criteria. And we forget that sometimes how blessed we really are, even in the most meager of financial situations in the U.S., we're still very blessed compared to. And when we start taking that perspective of God has blessed me in a way that is that is just really cool. How can I, if we're really looking at it from a perspective of, I serve a risen Savior that has given me everything, how can I give back in the way that he is asking me to do so? Now, all of a sudden, we're looking for ways to give. And I believe as a Christian, yes, I mean, we're commanded. The tithe is, is one of the, is the first thing we should look at with the money that, that he has awarded to us through our careers or however we've earned that money is he's asking, hey, provide 10% of that back for the kingdom, for kingdom purposes, for the local church to grow. I believe that's off the top. You, you look at those types of things. If you start giving with that attitude and then looking for other ways as well to give, it totally changes your, your perspective of money. And it's a hard thing for us to do because we're not wired that way. We're very selfish people and protective people uh, of our money by our sinful backgrounds. But the whole reason for the book and going into that was I wanted folks that the message that God gave me, I never intended to write that book a few years ago. It's called Pursuing Spiritual Wealth, 40 Principles That Make Your Life Richer. And what happened was God basically told me, hey, you've been involved with the Certified Kingdom Advisor, which again, that was a thing of, of a step of faith in my life, was going through that designation and earning that designation, that Certified Kingdom Advisor, because I had no idea where he was leading me with that. But to see in the past few years, the doors he's opened, the opportunities that have happened because of that, has been an awesome thing that for one of the first times in my life, I was able to step out and say, okay, God, I'm taking the step of faith. I'm doing what you're asking me to do. And I'm not asking you what the end result's going to be. Because that's what I would always do before. Hey, I'm fine doing this. and I'd love to do this, but can you tell me where this is leading? And that's not faith. This was finally a journey of faith and going, hey, I feel like you've got something excellent out there. Let's just go. It led to this of him saying, listen, you've got a message now. You've got education. This is what I want you to share. And I, and I was like, God, I'm not writing a book. I don't have time for that. I've got kids. We're, we're career. And he this basically is... responded, yeah, you are. So here's what happened was over that next year, things had, I had no idea where to start. And he provided me with the people, the resources. It was amazing. When I got done with the process, probably in less than several months, and people would look at me that knew better and said, how did you do that? I had nothing to compare it to. It just happened because of the message he gave me. It was his will, what he wanted me to do. And the whole messaging behind that was education. That's what it, things keep coming back to is I want folks to understand what the Bible says about money so that until we understand it and believe it, there's no way we're going to apply those principles to our lives. I can't come to you and say, I want you to change this thing that you've been doing for the last three decades of your life. I want you to change everything about that. No, just do it because I tell you to. That's not going to work. What we, what we need to have is a transformation of the gospel. We need to have a transformation of the Holy Spirit that says, I want to do things differently than how I've been wired in the past with my sinful self. I want to serve God in this way because I guarantee you, 
if God has a hold of your checkbook and of your credit card and of your money in your life, he probably has a hold of you in other places as well. Ooh, that's that's a good phrase. Yeah. So if God has a hold of your checkbook, he's probably got a hold of you other way, other ways. <laughs> I like it's that. Not I like the first, that. It's not usually the first the first point of contact that we say, hey, look, look, look hey, yeah, let me give everything God in my money and everything else will come along. It's usually what comes on the backside of that. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's interesting to kind of think about, you know, when it comes to like thinking about money as a technology, as a tool, and that God is asking us to give of that. Um, even though, you know, another part of the even the definition of money is that it is a kind of the most the most most saleable good in an economy. That, that's mm-hmm. kind of more of an economic concept, of course, strictly speaking. But uh, the fact that it's, you know, it's highly desired and so on because it facilitates other things. It's also interesting to kind of think about the way in which that God calling us to give of our material resources in the form of money is almost like uh, on some level, it's like it's the least you can do. I mean, and you know, it's the, that's the first step. Like, and if you can't get over that, then you got something else that like, maybe that's be deeply buried in you that you kind of need to work on perhaps. You know, I believe there is a problem with the fact that when you look at, uh, the amount of Christians who actually tithe to their church is a very tremendously low number. I've had even my pastor tell me that he's gone through and just looked at the amount of people who have given a dollar. He doesn't let any, he says, listen, I, I don't, I don't look at what you give. I don't care about that. But what I had the, the business person run was anybody who's given a dollar of the church, just the amount of people who've given in, in that time period. He said, we basically looked at if that amount of people gave a tithe based on a poverty wage, we would be, we would be forming committees to figure out how to spend the money that was left over. Mm. The resources are there. Yeah, it's the heart matter of us saying, "Listen, there are good things that this money can do." And I'm not talking about God is never going to ask you to give out of what He hasn't given you. The Bible makes that clear. One of my favorite stories is of the you know, of course, back in the day they had to give their they had they had to give their offerings in front of everybody so everybody could see how much everybody was giving. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's throwing in their big coins and all that. And remember the woman that comes by and throws in the two. Two small coins, basically, just think of it as a couple of pennies, maybe, as a couple of, of pennies. And she stopped. It was like, you know, how dare you just cut, you know, just give that much? But it's Jesus who stopped her and said, hey, this woman has given out of the least amount. She's given more than any of you who have given the large amounts because you were blessed with so much more. And he's showing us there that his expectation of us is not to give above and beyond what you can't give, but whatever he's gifted you, whatever he, he's given to you, he expects you to give out of that. Yeah. And we all have that commitment. We see that with the, with the with the uh, uh, with the giving of the the one, the five, and the ten of those. That, hey, if you didn't do anything with it, that was a problem. Mm-hmm. With that, I expect you to give uh, out of what out of what you've been given. Yeah, it's it's there's something there's something to where like there's a state of the heart that is being assessed in some sense when we think about the way in which we give, even of our financial resources. And the book was actually based off of the teachings from the Certified Kingdom Advisor de- designation that, that Ron Blue would set up every chapter with know, believe, and do. We have to know the Word of God. Mm-hmm. We have to believe what it says before we're ever going to change and do what we need to do and change our activity. And I would say, and that was the whole, that's how the book is set up as well, in that it's just putting out a few chapters of, okay, here's what the Bible clearly says about stewardship, about money, about giving. 
And when we talk about stewardship, it's not just your money. It's your time. It's your resources. There's a lot of things under that. Money gets a lot of, the, of that talk. There's a lot of things that come underneath being a good steward of the things that God has, has blessed us with. We have to know the Word of God. And I always tell folks, then you have to believe what you're reading. And spoiler alert, if you don't believe what you're reading, you're wrong. <laughs> the Bible is absolute tricks. Now it's about aligning your minds and your and, and what you believe with what the Bible says. And that's the tough part for a lot of folks, and it mm -hmm. always has been. It's a very tough part for us today because we want to take that Bible a la carte or take the things that we want and pick them out and yeah. cherry pick those and kind of take that buffet. That's not how that operates. To have a Christian in a biblical worldview, we have to be in alignment with what Scripture says. And I'm going to tell you, I've seen it in different parts of my life over time. Once the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, some of those things that were so attractive to me years ago, the Holy Spirit possesses the ability to change the desires of your heart. Yeah. And that is an amazing thing. But I can look back at things that were very attractive 10, 15 years ago in my life, and I go, that means nothing to me anymore. Because the Spirit has changed the way I look at things and the way I feel about things. That's what we want is for the Holy Spirit to be changing our lives and our minds and our hearts so that now we look and see instead of, why should I have to give all that to I want to give in different ways. And it's so exciting. And it, it is so exciting when I get clients to that point of seeing, hey, first we've got debt paid off. We've got different things to actually make room to do more down the road. That's the cool part for me is allowing folks to see that opportunity to really align their money with their beliefs and 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 and, and with God over time. I love that. And and you know, you've mentioned a couple times already um this the notion of like the the way in which what we desire matters. And it, it's something actually we talk about a fair amount here at LCI and, and other podcasts and in our written materials as well, We in, in kind of in the context of what we call mimetic theory, uh, which notes that, you know, we, that uh, comes out of the thinking of Rene Girard, who was an uh, anthropologist and philosopher and theologian even uh, from Stanford. And he's an interesting fellow, no longer with us anymore. Uh, rest in peace, sir. Uh, but one of one one of the, his crucial insights is that a lot of the desires that we have come not in term like kind of they're not self generated but they're rather things that we see other people uh, want and we want them and so this come this is very much played into like the book of of James you know you yes. kill and covet you desire you you want all this this stuff uh, but you don't have because you don't ask God. Now, what Jesus does in, in contrast is that he, uh, we are to take him on as a model. And what happens when we do that, of course, and this is a, you know, right in line with what you're saying there, is that when we take that on, when we take Jesus on as a model, his desires begin to make their way into becoming our desires because we want to be like him. And if we, so if we set our minds on that, then that begins to change both internally and then externally what's going on. And I think that has something, you know, kind of coincides with the types of things you're saying here. You are absolutely on the train of thought with that. I wholeheartedly believe in what you're talking about. And when you talk about, I can always compare myself to somebody else and to say, well, I'm a better Christian than that. Yeah. <laughs> and always, I can always find someone to compare myself to with that, but we're not called to compare ourselves to each other. You mm -hmm. made the point right then. We're called to compare ourselves to Christ. We're called to compare ourselves to the example that he gave of giving his absolute life when he didn't have to. 
for the forgiveness of our sins because he loved us so much to do that. Mm-hmm. All he's asking us to do is to give a little bit more time, a little bit more effort, a little bit more resources to his kingdom work to allow that kingdom to grow. Yeah, it is so great. Like God is enabling us still to be individuals with our own sets of desires and and things that we want to do and whatnot. But as long as we're conforming ultimately to the to the model set before us, then all all else is part is all else is permissible in that respect. Does it, that makes sense, right? That you need to- I, I think as you were talking, what came to mind is the bad advice that we will give people so often. Yeah. Because when we tell them to follow your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you look at scripture, that's the absolute worst biblical advice you could give someone because scripture flat out tells us that's one of the worst parts of our body as far as yes. what it desires. And because because we're sinful by nature, we have to conform. Our, and it's so hard this day and age because we are bombarded from every possible scenario, every possible thing we read, we see, we watch, hear, listen to. The world's message is coming from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it is so much harder to stand out. One of the verses that we use within our organization of advisors trying to be, we're called to be different. We're not called to be better. We're not better because we're Christians, but we're called to be different. We're called to be a light in the world. And I had it, we use from Matthew 5, uh, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What we're called to be is a light in a tremendously dark world out here, is that if we're living that life and if we're sharing that message, trust me, and I see it, folks that are wrapped in that darkness, it gets, it's in a very attractive message. It's the reason that churches that are preaching the Word of God and not uh, not bringing in so much worldly messaging these days, it's the reasons the one, those are growing so much is because our people are yearning for truth. And this this truth, it, it's, it's, boy, it, it is so absolute in the way that it will change your life. We forget those that don't share our faith think that it's the freedom to be able to sit or to do whatever you want to do. That's the freedom. And it's not. The freedom is actually being able to live your life in Christ and to live your life in a way that is different from what the world tells us and to be able to live by, because he knows better. He created us. God created us. He knows that he has the guidebook for us. Mm-hmm. We just have to follow it. And again, I go back to that peace and contentment and joy. If those are the things that we are striving for, which man, we all need. Follow the guidebook, follow the playbook that he gives us through his holy word. Uh, again, it's not going to mean this is not prosperity gospel preaching to you. It doesn't mean that you're going to add zeros and commas to, to, to your bank accounts. But it will mean that you will find your purpose and you will find the reason that he has you in existence in this world today. That's awesome. Yeah. It it reminds me of a of a kind of a <laughs> uh man, a, a speech by I you might remember a man named uh, an author named Frank Peretti from like the nineties. That he's means a, he's a Christian author. He wrote novels and stuff and I remember seeing a speech, uh, and I don't remember much about the speech, but there's one quote from it that was hilarious, and I kind of took it. And it's like this: I probably watched this 25 years ago. Is and it? Is maybe but I may butcher it a little bit here, but it was basically like if you're searching for truth, don't look inside yourself. You're the one who's confused. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I love that because uh, it it does speak to this kind of like it speaks against what is, is so often in the world. And as you noted here, that just following your heart, being, you know, your most authentic self and trying to you do it in the world's way is going to be an utter failure. And it won't, it's, it, it won't even be you. 
it won't be your most authentic self and it won't even be the you know the, the best part of your heart because you're corrupted and you know <laughs> sin corrupts us and that's the uh, that's only going to lead us astray there and to me that goes back to the perspective issue and that lesson mm. if you are a if you are not a believer in Christ I truly understand how we get alarming rates of suicide, drug use, and all these things trying to escape the problems mm-hmm. that we have in this world. Whereas if we go back to that eternal way of thinking, that even though my life, hey, trust me, I'm not sit, sitting here telling you, you, did, you, you follow the ways of Christ, your life is, is all unicorns and rainbows. That, that, is, that, is not the, that is not the message at all because we will all experience trials in our life. We will experience things that it will be hard to get through and, and hard, hard to, to do, but there's some reason God is having us go through those things. But if we keep that eternal perspective and say, listen, whatever this is, God is having me go through this for a reason. God, help me to understand why it is you have me go through this. And I go back, you mentioned James, and then James 1.5 is where I always go back to in that if you don't understand what it is God's trying to teach you, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's right. Yeah, not a prosperity thing, but if you ask in his will, if you're asking for his wisdom, he wants you to understand the things of God. He wants you to understand the Holy Bible. If you will simply ask those things, the Holy Spirit will work with you and unveil those things to you and teach you over time. And then when we can experience that freedom in Christ, it changes everything. And all of a sudden, it's, how can I give more? How can I spend more time giving? How, how can I? And that's where these these principles will come into play. Then, and you'll understand why it is God has prescribed them to us. That's awesome. Well, as we as we kind of draw to a close here for this uh, for this podcast, I do want to ask you one question that I'm I'm you know this is a this is a newer show for us, and so we're experimenting a little bit. But one question I want to make sure I ask everybody is uh, to kind of ref- it's a reflection upon you know, you now versus you in the past. And that's mm-hmm. kind of imagine that, you know, you could go back in time and offer yourself, your younger self, some advice about your work, your business, your faith, however you kind of want to take that, run with it for a moment. What would you say, uh, what would you, advice would you give your younger self in this respect? I think in almost every facet of life, don't wait so long to trust God. Don't try to stay within. I, I, I'm a very analytical person. I have a lot of Excel spreadsheets for a lot of different things. I want to understand things. I want to understand how they work and, 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 and why. And so I will rely a lot on my own knowing, on my own wisdom, on my own 47 years of what of experience that I have on this earth. And I disregard the eternity of information that Jesus has, that my Savior has. And in times in the past where I know I could have stepped out, like I talked about that, that, that designation, stepping out on faith and going, I don't even really know why you're asking me to do this, but I know that you are. Let me take that step because I trust you. Don't take so long to trust God because he has proven me over and over again that any promise he's given to me, he keeps it over time. Again, doesn't mean there's not hard times and tough times to go through. There's been a lot over the years. But take that step of faith even when it's uncomfortable because... I know now I'm never going to grow in Christ if I stay within my little box. I had to step out of that box to have any growth whatsoever. And once you kind of start getting that momentum and that confidence and that in, in, in God over time, boy, it gets a little easier to take that step because you know, you, you start looking forward to it. Then. Uh, 
I don't know what you got coming this time, but man, what, what you taught me last time, where you brought me last time was so awesome. Let me do that again. And you start building the spiritual markers over time to where hopefully it becomes a little bit easier to trust him. But don't take so long. Don't, don't take so long to take that step of faith. Wow. That's actually like, that's profound. I love this phrase. I'm going to have to remember this. It's actually like kind of messing with me right now. Don't wait so long to trust God. That's a good, that's really good. And what a great way to end this show and, uh, and to hear, you know, about what you, what you do as a certified kingdom advisor, as an author, as a person who's helping, helping individuals understand how they can serve God better through the use of their finances. So, uh, Marcus really appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, thank you so much. Tell us uh, before we go, where can people find you online or, or learn more about you? Um, whether that's your website or Twitter or whatever you want to kind of give yeah, out that, that, that the, the personal website is the stewardship mindset.com stewardship mindset.com. And that, that will actually lead you back. You want to purchase the book. That'll lead you back to Amazon. So you can search Amazon as well for pursuing spiritual wealth. Uh, the 40 principles that make your life richer. That's awesome. Marcus, thank you so much for being here. Once again, it's been great talking to you and uh, look forward to seeing more. Want to read your book. Want to want to learn more about what you do. And and so thanks so much for, for being here with us. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it a lot. That's been our episode today, folks. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.